by Govan and welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek and I've done some what if videos in the past and it's been a long time but another one that occurred to me recently as I was listening to the Tolkien professor Corey Olson's Exploring the Lord of the Rings he was in the Council of Elrond and got past that and the discussion of Merry and Pippin coming along with the Fellowship because in the book of course that was not a settled thing, and they didn't just jump in at the end of the fellowship, I mean, at the end of the council like they do in the movie. In the book, the discussion is rather different, and Elrond has these two open spots left, and he's trying to think, and he kind of voices out loud, I'm, you know, I'm not sure who I'm going to send on these last, for these last two. I may find some people in my household or something, and Merry and Pippin are like, hey, you can't leave us out of this. And Elrond has actually a back and forth with Gandalf. Gandalf actually kind of supports Merry and Pippin, despite his opinion of their respective intelligence and whatever, uh, where Gandalf is proposing that they should follow the fact that they have a great friendship with Frodo rather than relying on trying to very wisely pick somebody who would be a great team member. Uh, and, of course, Corey Olson makes a huge joke out of this. Instead of being wise, let's do something foolish. <laughs> uh, which has its merits, certainly, depending on your worldview. Um, but anyway, the conversation involves Elrond saying, I had thought to send these two back to the Shire to give a warning to their people. What that warning exactly is is not 100% clear from the text, and what exactly they might do is even less clear. And so in this video, what I want to do is think about what would they be warning the Shire of, what would it accomplish, and how would it change things about the story, and especially as it regards to Saruman eventually coming to the Shire, which of course we learn about in the Scouring of the Shire chapter at the very end. So let's take a look at how all this might have played out if Merry and Pippin had, in fact, gone back to the Shire. One of the first things to note, of course, in this regard is that Merry and Pippin, if they went back to the Shire, would be warning the Shire of what, exactly? And that's kind of an interesting question. It's not like, you know, anybody's necessarily expecting Sauron to go and wage war against the Shire. Sauron, by the time he knows anything, is going to know that the Ring has left the Shire and made it to Rivendell at the very least. So, they're not necessarily going to be warning about an incoming attack, but they might be warning about, you know, potential problems because Sauron now does know about the Shire, and as Gandalf tells Frodo in the Shadow of the Past chapter, he would much rather have a bunch of, you know, miserable slaves than just happy hobbits living, doing their own thing, because he's just a malicious son of a gun that way. So they would potentially be able to warn the inhabitants of the Shire about a potential for something like this happening. You know, eventually Sauron is going to get around to dealing with the Shire, even if that's not his first, you know, approach. Also, they had already encountered some sketchy characters at Bree. In the Prancing Pony, there were travelers from the south who seemed to be, if not, you know, at least questionable you know, certainly they seem like they might even be actively hostile in some sense. Some of them expressed the idea that if space was not found for them, they would find it for themselves. And there was talk, basically, of, you know, some of these are not just refugees, some of them are 
possibly, you know, ill actors looking to do bad things on behalf of somebody evil. And by that point, the, by the point we get to Merry and Pippin being talked about in this regard, it's already known that Saruman is a bad player and potentially some of what's going on is his fault. And the fact that it's coming from the south where his location is adds to that. So they might also be warning about Saruman making some kind of moves up toward the Shire as well. Now, it's still not exactly clear how well that would work. I mean, are the Shire folk going to be really open to the idea that here are these two hobbits who went off like, you know, those crazy hobbits who follow Gandalf do, and now they come back telling these wild stories of you know, dark lords and evil wizards who might want to do something to the Shire. Uh, you know, the hobbits who are still in the Shire and just don't really get all that adventurous might be like, man, what what, what kind of mushrooms have you been eating, guys? So it's not really clear exactly how well that would work out, and I tend to think it probably wouldn't work too well. And the funny thing is, what we know from the Scouring the Shire chapter is the way that the Shire actually becomes impacted by all this, has nothing to do with anybody just actively coming to attack it. The trouble starts from within, because the Sackville Bagginses are buying up a bunch of land, and then they bring in men to kind of do their dirty work, and eventually become, well, the Sackville Bagginses kind of become the ascendant family in the Shire as a whole, but then that ends up not working out so well for... Lotho Sackville Baggins, he ends up being killed and it ends up just being the men on top. And eventually, of course, Saruman. So it all starts from within. And are Merry and Pippin going to be looking for that? Would they have the, you know, that's not necessarily going to be the first thing on their mind. They're not going to be thinking in terms of, you know, the Sackville Bagginses are over here buying lots of property. That's dangerous. They might be trying to import baddies. Now, if they start bringing in men, then they might start to go, hmm, those guys look kind of like those weirdos we saw at Bree. This might be a problem. But even then, what are they going to do? Like, is it really going to be that effective if they try to warn the rest of the Shire? Like, hey, we've seen some people like that before, and they're nasty boogers. And we should make sure they don't get any more of a foothold than they already have. And we should probably get rid of the ones that are here. Like, how are they going to do that? The Shire doesn't even have a military. I mean, they've got basically livestock keepers. That's what the sheriffs do for the most part in the Shire, is they make sure livestock isn't getting out of bounds. Every now and then they do, of course, have to keep people out of the Shire at the borders. And they have the bounders for that. But these people are being brought in by hobbits, and so it's not like you can just turn them away at the border necessarily. Now, Tolkien never goes into a whole lot of detail as far as how the details of it all work when the Sackville Bagginses started bringing these people in. Maybe they were brought in in secret, and it was only later when there were enough of them that they just kind of ran roughshod over everybody in the Shire. So potentially... You know, you don't even get fair warning until it's too late anyway. And if you get even some warning, it's just hard to see how Merry and Pippin could really do a whole lot about it. The interesting thing, though, is the fact that they're not in the party, the company of the ring, actually leads to questions about whether Saruman ever comes to the Shire at all. 
because Merry and Pippin are the ones who end up being captured by Urukai, brought halfway to Isengard, and then meet Treebeard and become part of the group that helps him, you know, make the decision to attack Saruman. Now, book versus movie moment here. If you've only seen the movie, you would think that Merry and Pippin are like the only reason, and Pippin especially, because he got really lucky somehow and told Treebeard where to go and find dead trees because Pippin knows, I don't know. Anyway, in the movie, you get the idea that they're the only reason that the Ents attack Isengard. In the book, Treebeard implies that he was already thinking about doing something, but even in the book, Gandalf says that they will be like the small stone falling that starts the avalanche. So, they play a role. How much of a role, how much of that would have changed? That's another interesting question. What would the Ents have done and how quickly would they have done it if it were not for Merry and Pippin? If Merry and Pippin weren't there, they would have less news of the outside world and probably less haste, <laughs> to use their uh, one of their favorite bywords, to do anything about Saruman because it would be less urgent. I mean, Treebeard and the Ents don't do anything quickly, and part of the reason that they do things quickly is because Merry and Pippin are able to tell them about all these really big things going on in the outside world that they don't really know about, and therefore they have much more of a good idea of how important it is to stop Saruman now, quickly. And it is only because of their intervention that the Rohirrim at Helm's Deep survive. And so, without Merry and Pippin there, does the nation of Rohan survive? The nation probably does, because not that many people were at Helm's Deep. But Aragorn might be dead, Legolas and Gimli might be dead, you know, Eomer, Theoden, you know, all of those people could be totally gone. And then Eowyn, presumptively, I guess, becomes ruling queen, because she's the only one left in the family. Uh, and then they have to pick up the pieces from where that leaves off. And then, what happens to Saruman? If they don't attack him quickly... When do they attack him? And do they have an effective attack? Because if the Urukai army presses on and does its thing and makes it back, can they stop the Ents if they attack too late? Possibly. I mean, that becomes an open question. So if Saruman never gets stopped by the Ents in time, then he never gets kicked out of Isengard. And if he never gets kicked out of Isengard, he never personally comes to the Shire. Now, the Shire would still be, you know, basically turned into a a hellscape by, you know, the men that are there anyway, taking orders from him by whatever means that worked out. And so there would be something for the hobbits to clean up when they got back. Although Merry and Pippin are already there, so it's like, what, you know, they're probably leading the resistance and then Frodo and Sam come back. But the other interesting thing about this is, it is at the end, when Gandalf leaves the four hobbits before they make it back to the Shire, that you know, they're starting to get these weird hints of things going on at in the Shire, and somebody mentions the fact that there's a gate. I think it's Gandalf specifically mentioned there's a gate. And Mary says, you know there's no gate in Buckland. There's never been a gate. And Gandalf says, I think you may find there is now. How Gandalf knows this is a mystery. Uh, but as he notes at one point, he has been given the power to see things afar off uh, now that he's Gandalf the White. So... He knows things that the hobbits don't know. But one of the things he tells him in this conversation is, 
Whatever trouble you find there, you've got to handle on your own. This is your job now. You've grown up, and this is part of the reason why you've gone through what you've gone through. And I've actually kind of covered this before because I talk about a, in a video on the character arcs of the Four Hobbits, which I'll link in the description. The character arcs of the Hobbits all kind of neatly tie up at the end of the book in some form or fashion. And for Merry and Pippin, their character arcs tie up in the scouring of the Shire because their experience in, you know, being in war and having to do all these crazy things that most hobbits have never done give them the courage and leadership that allow them to really bring the Shire to life and fight back in the scouring of the Shire. So it, without that history, do Merry and Pippin make as effective leaders? Do they, you know, do what they're supposed to do? Frodo is not that much of a leader in the scouring of the Shire. He restrains people from doing more bad things in retaliation, but he doesn't really lead in a military-type sense. And neither does Sam. Sam has his own personal interests that he's after, and he's not the military leader type either. So without Merry and Pippin along for the ride for, you know, Two Towers and Return of the King... They don't get this experience, and so it's a question whether they do that much in in terms of fighting back against the men. Because the Tooks, and I think, I may be mix, mixing this up, but even the Brandy Bucks, I think, are also partially kind of fighting back against the, the Sackville Baggins slash man regime. But they never really wage open war with them. They just kind of defend their own little territory. The Tooks have some archers, and the, the men just kind of stay out of there. So does Merry and Pippin just join up with, you know, them and kind of do that sort of thing and not really do an open, hostile fight against them? You know, even if they did, they would maybe not be as effective. And you also have to remember that Merry gets a horn from Eowyn and Eomer at the end of, you know, all of the major events. And Eowyn, or is it Eomer, tells him, you know, if you blow this horn, help will come. And it it's kind of like the whole... Thing with the Horn of Gondor. It's like it almost has some kind of magical property about it. So when Mary blows it in the Shire, lots of hobbits come up, and that's how they kind of get the whole thing lit off. Mary's not going to have that at the end if he never goes on his adventure. So there's all these little bitty things that, you know, change exactly how things would play out. And as a result, it's really hard to say that things could have been any better if Merry and Pippin had gone back to the Shire. Which, interestingly enough, brings up a nice quote from the story Leaf by Niggle, where at one point, I forget who says it, it's either, it's either Niggle or Parrish, but one of them says, things could have been different, but it couldn't have been better. And this is kind of an idea of this. It's like, Merry and Pippin could have gone back to the Shire and warned them, but would the result have been any better than them going along? Elrond has serious misgivings, and he even says specifically about Pippin, him being the youngest, that he really worries about him going along on this quest. And he says also, of course, neither of them know anything about the danger they're there going to face. Gandalf counters, neither does Frodo. But we should trust to their great friendship. And Gandalf turns out to be right. And Elrond, despite his extreme wisdom and, you know, ability to seemingly foretell things gets it wrong but you know there's probably something there that he's you know 
there's it's not like his objection is groundless. Although one does wonder what specifically did Elrond have a misgiving about with regard with regard to Pippin. He has this specific idea about Pippin. Is it just because he's young? It's really hard to say because he doesn't elaborate on it at all. But it's interesting that he singles him out as being the youngest. I mean, he's 29 compared to 33 at being the coming-of-age year for the Hobbits. So, I mean, if we translate that to human years, he's basically 1920, if we assume that 21 is, like, coming-of-age. So, he's a late teen, at least. Now, late teens have gone into war for time immemorial. So, what is Elrond exactly worried about? It's kind of hard to say. But, whatever it is... Pippin never actually encounters anything all that crazy, other than, you know, picking up the Palantir, but that's just Pippin's... Well, you know, that's Pippin being a fool of a toque. Uh, that's, just, that's just what that is. He doesn't encounter anything that's not his own fault, that's not... That, that's really all that life-impacting, nothing that traumatic. He does also almost die in front of the Black Gate because a troll falls on him, but... All things considered, that's pretty mild by the time he gets to the end of his career. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at it, Merry and Pippin going back to the Shire, things might actually turn out worse if they do that. You might all end up okay by the time it, it's all said and done. Frodo and Sam make it back, and maybe Frodo and Sam somehow pull things together. But Merry and Pippin, I don't think they would have been as effective if they had not done what they did in the adventure they had, because they gained a lot of experience, a lot of courage, you know, all these different things that allow them to be really effective as leaders, and that ends up being kind of precisely what's needed in that moment in the Scouring of the Shire. So, if Merry and Pippin had gone back, I suspect they would not have actually been very effective either in terms of leading or in terms of warning, because what would they be warning against? Probably not the thing that was actually being threatened. So that's my theory on what would have happened if Merry and Pippin had not gone along. Saruman, if overthrown, would have been overthrown much later, and probably with much more loss. Merry and Pippin would not have been as effective as stopping anything as Elrond might have hoped, and therefore much more harm would have been done had they gone. So, that's my theory on what would have been different if Merry and Pippin had gone back to the Shire. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below, and if you liked the video, please give it a thumbs up and share it around. You can also, of course, follow me on Twitter at JRRTLore for some occasional Tolkien-related trivia questions. Subscribe to the channel and click the bell icon for notifications for all my videos. And you can find me on Odyssey and Rumble and catch podcast versions as well. And you can support me over at Patreon. Until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namariye.